Hey, I'm Erica Jarvis. And I'm Amy Randolph. And you're listening to Podcast Rewind. The podcast about all of the podcasts that we just can't stop listening to. Exactly. When you're done with the show, come join us on social media. You can find us on Twitter and Instagram at PodcastRWD or be our friend on Facebook. Search Podcast Rewind. And don't forget, you guys are the most important to us. So come and rate, review, and subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, now on Spotify, or wherever you're listening to your podcast. Exactly. All right, let's get on with the show. Welcome to episode 31 of Podcast Rewind. I'm one of your hosts, Erica Jarvis. I'm Amy Randolph, the other co-host of Podcast Rewind. Fully ready to podcast today. Amy, tell everybody. I finally got this week my Murderino Fan Cult kit. Uh, and so I am proudly wearing my Fan Cult Murderino t-shirt. I'm so excited for you. It's really cute. Yes, I know. And I had to wear it for podcast day. Absolutely. Real quick shout out. So I'm not going to like really talk about my favorite murder (laughs) this week, but I do just need to shout out super fast that anyone that's still following the Golden State Killers thing, they had all of our boyfriends haul holes on for Uh a special episode where it was just them asking Paul investigation questions Uh now that... They have the capture and everything. So that's a great episode. That's all I'm going to say about it. Oh, we love Paul Holes. Yes. And, I mean, there's a lot of good-looking guys coming up from all of these different murder shows yeah, that we're all starting to fall in love with. But Investigation one thing, is hot. It is. But one thing we're always in love with is talking about podcasts, recapping podcasts, mm-hmm. and sharing them with you guys. And one thing we always do is have a beverage. This week I am not partaking because <laughs> I'm a monster mm-hmm. and I'm getting... The glare from Amy across the way, but my body is still shaking from what I did to it yesterday. So I cheers to you with my water. Mm-hmm. It's seven o'clock at night, and this is the first water I've had all day. So I continue to be an asshole to my body. You're making bad I choices. I am my own meme. We have a you know <laughs> a drink of the week segment, girl. Uh, well, to be fair, I'm <laughs> confident that in my blood is still tequila and soda. <laughs> in the words of Kristen Doty, it's not cute and it's not professional. <laughs> Consider me a professional with Sheena Shea. At least I'm not walking off the show the way she did repeatedly no. on the Vanderpump Rules. Well, you're not wearing any makeup, so you I'm wouldn't have to wear makeup. Again, I continue to be a monster. Well, I'm holding down the fort here with a Pinot Noir as my drink of the Love week. Love it. So, cheers, cheers with my plastic cup You guys didn't even hear that. I know. Oh, clank. Clank. Um, yeah, so... I'm going to dive right in. Obsession mm-hmm. of the week. Mm-hmm. I got invited to go see the my very first Orlando City soccer game last night Fun. with a couple of our friends. And I will say, um, nobody can drink the way this group <laughs> of people can. And every time I'm with them, I'm like, I can hang. And then all of a sudden, I'm like, ugh. And yeah. I am a mess. And it was that same way last night. I mean, they're, they pregame hard. They... Um, take it seriously, which is amazing, <laughs> but I am paying for it today, whereas I'm sure they all jumped out of bed at 8 this morning and lived their lives. Yeah. Yeah, I've hung out with them a few times. They made St. Patrick's Day rough this year, uh-huh. 100%. <laughs> and that yeah. went south. Yes, exactly. <laughs> like For my liver. Right? We were at the game last night. It's the first time I've ever been. I'm a little drunk, and we're all in line at the bar getting beverages. 
And they're like, well, we get doubles. I'm like, yeah, okay. I'm like, what singles were an option, Erica? <laughs> what made you think you need to do a double tequila soda is pure, beyond me. Pure pressure at its pure best. Pure pressure and also... I'm not doing carbs, so beer is out. Yeah. And honestly, like, if I had had a Miller Lite, things would have been different. Sure. And I don't know why I just didn't go to myself. Like, tonight's the night you can have a carb. <laughs> like, right. Well, and because you're not doing carbs and, you know, light beer isn't an option, you're going to need to learn how to drink liquor all night. Right. Not like a nightcap or, you know, no. a cocktail to start the evening. No. You know, if you're going to be this person. <laughs> You're going to have to relearn some things. I know. And I did see a billboard while we were downtown for like, not Corona Light, but Corona Premium. Right. And I was like, oh, 2.7 carbs. <laughs> like, oh. <laughs> when you're selling s- Corona Premium at bars, it's Corona or Corona Light. You have to have some carbohydrates. Yes. You know, there's three. Anyway. Anyway. Anyway, well, it was that. super fun to finally go to my first game and go city. I don't know if we won or not, um, but I had a great time <laughs> with everybody. Something you could have Googled. I guess I could have. <laughs> But I'll be back next week, bitches. Are you really going again next week? No, I meant to drinking on oh, our show. Okay. Yeah, well then don't go to the soccer game <laughs> no, first. Definitely not. Not sure I'm invited back. I don't know. <laughs> so I'm obsessed this week with Bachelor Nation. In, Hashtag Bachelor Nation. In so many ways. So, first of all, the Bachelorette comes back tomorrow. We watched Becca. Suffer through oh. Aries fuckery yes. at the end of The Bachelor this year, and she has rightfully taken her place uh-huh. uh, as the queen of The Bachelorette season, whatever the hell this is. Who gives a shit? <laughs> Many seasons. Um, I'm spoiled. Uh, TMZ, well, actually, everyone is spoiled. Yeah. TMZ put out who the winner is. I won't do that to you here, no. but this will be the very first time that watching the first episode. As they're getting out of the limo, I'm going to know yeah. that's him, and I can watch the whole season knowing, and look, I'm kind of here for that. Yeah, it's a Tarantino. I always say, like, you right. know the ending, but how did we get there? We normally don't find out, though, until at least we know who, like, is getting a hometown. Yeah, Is when the spoilers will start coming out real hard. Yeah. Um, you know, last season, we got spoiled pretty early because people caught Ari going to Lauren, whatever her name, Lauren fucking B's yes. hometown uh, again. And so we kind of knew what the switcheroo was going to take mm-hmm. place. So, so okay. So then there's Becca, and then there's another thing that happened, I guess. I guess. This week in Bachelor Nation, y'all, for all of you clingy girls out there, <laughs> we have a queen, and her name is Ashley Iaconetti. Heck yes. Because after two years Three. of crying and begging, she has finally landed Jared. Jared stubbly beard Stubbly, scratchy-faced Jared. Yeah. And Ashley I are now in love. Uh-huh. Um, that was also announced on a podcast mm-hmm. and on her web series. Yes, which I watched all 44 minutes. <laughs> God bless not you. Getting I getting those 44 even. minutes back, but... I did not even watch it all. I've seen some, some shots of it, but I did listen to Almost Famous uh-huh. with Ben Higgins and Ashley I, where she announced it. It was so fucking corny. Yeah. They, uh, they called the episode Celebrate Love. No. Yes, they did. That's disgusting. Yes, and Ashley was sobbing as Ugh. she was telling the world that she and Jared are a couple. Then, obviously, they had a pre-sponsored trip set up to Hawaii, mm-hmm. and they are there now being the most obnoxious couple yeah. on Instagram. And look, as I said earlier, isn't Hawaii going through enough right now? I think now? they are. Which, P.S., I really am thinking of you, Hawaii. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. What's going on? Y'all are safe. Stay beautiful. Earth is crazy. 
the earth is crazy. But so is Bachelor Nation this uh-huh. week. And so on that note, if I may, yes. can I scoot into pop-ups? Scoot. So I have a third Bachelor Nation story that's kind of rocking my life right now. Yeah. And I uh, I listened to the Reality Steve podcast this week. Always a good choice. Uh, it was episode 79, and his guest was Meredith Phillips. Okay. Do you remember Meredith? <laughs> oh, my gosh. I really kind of do feel like I went through a time where I was really into the Bachelor Bachelor, yep. and then I fell off for a while, and I think I remember Meredith. It's like tall, brunette, mm-hmm. short hair. Yep. Yeah. She was on Bob Guinea's yes. season. And she was cast off, and she was made the second ever Bachelorette. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. So she, after the Bachelorette, she was engaged to her winner, I uh-huh. say in air quotes. Yeah. His name was Ian. They were together for about a year, broke up, and she really kind of went away. She didn't stay so Which much. Which is fine. You know, if they want to leave, that's okay. You haven't seen her back on a Bachelor pad, nope. a Bachelor in Paradise. She doesn't show up to all of the fake weddings. Well, because she's also, like, what, in her 40s now or something? Yeah, probably. You know what I mean? Well, her, her taping of her season was in 2003. That's what I mean. Right. Like, so 15 years ago almost at this point. Yeah. But she did guest on Reality Steve this week. And, y'all, it's a wild podcast. Yeah. And the big revelation, you may have seen it online by now, but she told Reality Steve and did not prep him for the information prior to, so surprised him on the air by dropping that she alleges she was drugged and sexually assaulted during the filming of her season. That's insane. Um, If you want a study in surprising a podcast host... (laughs) Really go and listen to this episode 79 because Steve, of all people, is speechless. Wow. He just stumbles over himself. He did not see that one coming. Oh. At all. And then grappling with it and keeping the show afloat and treating it with respect in the light of the Me Too movement. Yep. Um, Asking her, you know, the poignant questions that I think a lot of people would, like, why didn't you leave? Uh Uh-huh. And her answers to that. Um. and, you know, she's saying now, she's she's saying this now to get it out there. It's something that she has personally dealt with and mm-hmm. continues to. Um, at this point, I believe the statute of limitations would be up for any legal action, having it been 15 years ago yeah. with the laws currently the way they are, uh, which needs to change. For sure. Uh, hashtag time's up. And I... Just wow. I was stunned as a listener. Reality Steve was stunned as the host. Uh And the story itself is pretty wild. And I think it's really interesting. I've seen it around the news a little bit, but I haven't heard like on television anyone talking about it. Because when I heard it, it was dropped on Tuesday of this week. And Mm -hmm. I thought, holy shit. It's less than a week before Becca's episode, uh, season starts. Oh, I know. Timely. What what impact is this going to have? Yeah. Um, Which... I don't know. Maybe there still will be some. It's, it's only been a few days. The season starts tomorrow. Obviously, they're not pulling it from the schedule pending mm-hmm. investigation or anything like that. Yeah. Like we saw last year of Bachelor in Paradise. But yeah. obviously, that happened and immediately action was taken. But such a such an interesting thing to have heard on a podcast. Yeah. Sure. And I know um, you said that there were stories that you did see online and it credited Steve and his uh-huh. show and... What a weird twist of events because he always wants to be credited for his spoilers and gets so mad Mm -hmm. when people just say, a source says, and he's like, I'm the source. And now he's finally getting that credit. And it's with such a heavy story that is not really meant for a podcast host to handle and to be the one 
holding that information and it's like, He's not a journalist. And He's not a journalist. No, absolutely. So there's a lot of crazy thoughts that kind of go through your head with like dropping that kind of info bomb. And then he had to like edit it, mix it, and then publish it. And it's like right. where in there is his thought process of like, do I do this? Do I bring it to somebody? Like how does that work For out? sure. He gives a little monologue at the top of the podcast before he plays the interview where he kind of takes you through uh-huh. his decision-making once yeah. he got the info. Um, I, I really recommend going and listening to it for yourself, though. Yeah. Yeah. Well, heavy. Yeah. But I have a pop-up that I listened to this week called Everything Iconic with Danny Pellegrino. And I've heard him on other shows before, such as, I believe he was on SUP, the mm-hmm. um, Sex Unique podcast. And he is so funny and just, I think maybe a comedian, got a great Twitter account, Instagram. Like his name kind of floats around, but his show is just breaks down reality TV and iconic pop culture, special moments, things he really cares about, such as Real Housewives, pop music, actresses over 50. Like he's got a very niche kind of thing, really funny gay guy, and had on um, an episode 78, Scott Evans who is Chris Evans' younger brother, who's also an actor. Mm. And so on this one, they talked all about the Vanderpump reunion. And it was just so funny. Just, I mean, I can't get over, like, these, like, pop culture podcasts. They can just be so a great break mm-hmm. and just really funny. Oh, yeah. And he was hilarious. He had, like I said, Scott Evans being Chris Evans' brother, he was like, okay, fuck, Mary kill the Chris's. We can't include your brother. So <laughs> Chris Pine... Chris Pratt and Chris Hemsworth, and he was like, dude, I know them all. He's like, uh-huh, what are your answers? And he was like, uh. Turns out I think he would have sex with Hemsworth. I don't know. He had a whole, like, theory. It's an impossible list. It's an impossible it's an list. Thing because for me, I'd like to throw out Pine and throw in Evans because I like him better. Yeah. Um, but they also went on to talk about how Danny was on a flight recently that didn't have like Wi-Fi or TVs. <gasps> Clutch my pearls. <laughs> right? He was like, the fuck? It's 2018. He was like, I happened to have my iPad and there were some shows still downloaded to it from years ago. And he was like, I accidentally ended up binge watching Bethany Ever After. Oh, I'm you sorry. Remember that show from Bravo? Yes, Bethany Frankel's like she had her um spin-off, Bethany Getting Married, and she married that horrible hobby guy. Yeah, that was and a then bad the Ever After was with her getting married. And so he was just like, All right, I'm watching this. And he said during the flight, he could sell this woman, like, kind of, like, watching with him, which I just talked about recently that I watched yes, you did. with another person on a flight. So I very much connected to this. And he said after he got the flight, the woman was like, I'm so sorry. What were you watching? <laughs> and he was like, oh, Bethany Ever After. And she was like, oh, my God, yes, I need to go back and watch it. He's like, you can't. It's stripped off of everything. You can't buy it on iTunes. You can't watch oh, it on Hulu. You can't find happy. it anywhere. He Absolutely. Oh, yeah. And so he said in watching it, if you know anything about the whole Bethany Frankel major drama with her ex-husband and how crazy he is, he was like in watching the show back. He's like, I saw it. Like, oh, ooh. He gets really weird. Oh, my God. He's crazy. Get out. You know, the call is coming from inside of the house. Get out. Get out. Um, but then, trying to think. Oh, so he had another thing that was so funny because he had Nikki Blonsky on a couple episodes ago. Wait, wait, wait. Let me do Oh, from Hairspray. Yes. Okay. And I guess the audio was bad or something didn't work right. And he couldn't get out the list of questions he had for her. So he decided to ask Scott the questions. 
<laughs> so it was like, what was it like working with Zac Efron on Hairspray? <laughs> That's funny. What's your favorite John Travolta movie? That is very funny. <laughs> it was really funny, and the guys played it up. Um, and it turns out they had also been friends for a really long time, and they both came to Hollywood. They found each other, became really good friends. So just hearing their rapport was really awesome. Other people he's had on, um, James Kennedy. So I can't <laughs> wait to hear that one. Jackie Schimmel. Um, the Watcher Crappin guys, and then recently in his most recent episode that I just saw today when I was scrolling through, he is on Leslie Grossman. Yes. <laughs> She's also on Bitch Sesh this week. I just listened to that today. Oh my God. I am... Why doesn't she have her own podcast? I don't know. I mean, because then I love her. I love her too, because then I got into an Instagram vortex of hers, and she was um, being interviewed in regards to her obsession with Housewives and all of our obsessions. And she was just like, it's no different than people watching the NBA. People are doing something that you like. And yeah. she like, was like, why are they not athletes? Like, no. Did they, you know, work really hard in college and work out to, like, be <laughs> playing a sport for me, for my enjoyment? She was like, no, but if you're shitty on the show and you don't work hard enough, you're going to get fired and see ya. So the reunions are, like, my version of the World Series. And if you don't like it, screw you. I love And that. nothing has been more accurate. She's, Other than the time she said that you work for me, give me a photo. I was just going to say that I love her life motto that uh-huh. reality stars, she feels allowed to accost in public yes. because they're stars because of her. So dance, monkey, dance. Yes. Exactly. Exactly. So I'm so excited to hear that episode with Leslie because I don't know, like, I, do we do like hashtag Leslie for podcast or like, I, I need her to have her own weekly podcast or something where she breaks down everything I need to know. Seems like she'll take any invite to guest on a podcast. So, so maybe we, we should star, invite her here. Invite this to is Leslie. it, Leslie. We this is it. are obsessed with you. We'll tag you on Insta. Absolutely. Like, everything she says is gold. <laughs> really like is. She has an insight that we all do, and she's just saying it, and she's much more articulate. Yeah, she's full uh, the like co-host on Bitch Sesh this week because, once again, <laughs> Casey, Casey Wilson, Wilson is too busy to show up to her podcast job. So it's Leslie and Danielle. Which I'm sure was excellent. It really was. Uh, is it going to be one of those ones where I can't listen while I'm doing my makeup because I'm laughing so hard? Yeah, probably. Yeah. And they mostly just – they talk Potomac a little bit, but it's really heavy into New York and Vanderpump, and you're watching those. So Perfect. They even mentioned Southern Charm a bit. Oh, good. Right. There's not enough good light being shown on Southern Charm this season. It's just – I know Honestly, you, I know you feel there needs to be more justice for Southern Charm. Justice for Southern Charm. <laughs> I have another pop-up for you. Okay. Would you listen to? Uh, new podcast that I found this week. If you want a funny haha moment, uh, packaged into thirty minutes or less, perfect. You need to go check out the Mortified podcast. Okay. So, I, I am a person. I, there are moments in my life where I'm like driving down the road, and I remember a thing I did at fifteen uh-huh. that's so fucking embarrassing. I I will still blush. Like I'll yes. get hot. My cheeks will get hot. I'll blush. I yes. feel like I need to pull over. I need uh-huh. to contemplate suicide. Come back from the edge. <laughs> For a minute. Dark journey, but yeah. dark. Where I'm like, do you remember the time I did this in class? Why am I still alive? I don't deserve to be here. Um, So we all have those moments. Maybe mine are more extreme. (laughs) I'm learning by looking at you. (laughs) Well, I think you have anxiety and therefore. I have a little anxiety. Yeah. Yeah. Those things get me really hard. But the Mortified podcast is a celebration of how horrifically awkward we all were. For sure. In our younger years. I listened to this week episode 132 called I'm Totally Obsessed with You. Oh my god. <laughs> it was 
Uh, oh, by the way, this is from Radiotopia. From oh, we PRX, love Radiotopia. Right? So, love in Radio and a couple others on uh-huh. their network uh, we've listened to and talked about before. So this was three different grown-ass women reading from their journals. No, no, no. I'm oh, getting cringe yeah. sweats. Oh, oh, my God. The whole episode <laughs> is all cringe sweats. Oh, no. And you can relate so oh. hard. So the first woman is Siobhan, and she was madly in love with Derek, and she and Derek were in drama together, and she managed to get him to talk, but fucking Lydia, who already had a boyfriend, so back up, Lydia, Lydia. is always talking to him. God, why does every girl need to, like, why does she need every boy to like her? I mean, the journal entries. Oh, my God. I mean, they read them, and they... They have a live audience. Oh. I don't think all of their shows... This is the only episode I've listened to of the Mortified podcast. But I think that some of their shows are live and there's others that are more produced and in studio. But this one, they um, have these three women get up and read their journals live. And, you know, they're reenacting their old selves. Uh Um, So then the second woman, Connie, like she fully stalked her crush and was, you know, like, I learned that if I know... If you know your crush's schedule better than they do, <laughs> you know, that is problematic. Yep. And then the last woman, I didn't write her name. It's not here on my on my paper, but she had a super embarrassing crush. Oh, um, no. I, oh my God. Cringy and amazing and hilarious. And we have all been there. Mm-hmm. I am so, this, this podcast, but just in general, I'm so glad that in those years for me, social media wasn't around yet. Yes, yeah, Email and ICQ was bad enough, uh-huh. but thank God we didn't screenshot and save those no, to embarrass really about each that. other with later. I mean, my journals, I have fully destroyed by now. Uh-huh. It's wiped away, whereas, I mean, these kids nowadays that are living this online yeah. in this world where, you know, everything is forever. Yeah. God bless you. podcast will be forever. Because <laughs> I only have to remember that 15-year-old Amy moment. They, you know, yeah. it can be thrown back in their face. Oh, my God. That's so terrifying when somebody's like Oh, yeah. No, if you want to just... the tequila or the story, I can't decide. <laughs> if you want to laugh at others' misfortune, then the Mortified podcast is for you. Oh, no. <laughs> my, oh, it was good. Oh, yeah. Super cringy. Yes. Um, well, I got a recommendation this week to, for a podcast to listen to mm-hmm. from my dad, he had heard about this podcast on NPR, which I had to explain to him that like NPR is one big podcast. <laughs> when we started this show, podcast. he was like, I don't listen to podcasts. I was like, you 100% listen to podcasts. <laughs> you just don't know you're listening to them. Um, so he recommended to me Inside Trader Joe's. So it's a five-part podcast series produced by Trader Joe's. So I'm a little, a little biased. <laughs> biased. Um, but they really want to tell you all about how their store works. Um, if you don't have a Trader Joe's in your town, which is understandable, they only have 475 nationally. We only got ours, what, three years mm-hmm. ago? And we got one in Winter Park and one in Dr. Phillips. I don't know how we ever lived without. I don't know either because they're the most famous for their two-buck chuck. So their Charles Shaw wine is, I think back in the day, was $2. It was. It's $3 it's $3 now. now. It's just now. lies at this point. It is lies, but I mean, it was called two-buck chuck and it's just, you know... Every blend that you would want, um, maybe not a varietal. A varietal, thank you. It's uh, not top shelf, but it's certainly drinkable wine. Absolutely. It's drink to get drunk wine. Correct. <laughs> absolutely. And they also <laughs> have love. amazing wines. Like anytime I'm yes, over in that area, I'm like, wine. Amy, TJ, Ron, need anything? And you're always like, they yeah, have two bottles. I'm like, gotcha. Yes. You know, it's so great. Um, they have 
everything is there online, except for a few things like kombuchas and mm-hmm. co- like all of their alcohol, other than their two buck chuck or other companies. But for the most part, it's Trader Joe's. All of the food. All mean? of the food. Yeah, they're actually a grocery store. We're just focusing. We're on just the wine focusing section. on the alcohol. My bad. <laughs> um, but yeah, and it's really their, their branding and marketing is so funny. Like if you get something that's like you know a Mexican food, it's like Trader Jose's. <laughs> Sometimes I wonder if it's a little appropriation-y. Uh-huh, yeah. But, you know, look, I'm not here to pick on. No, it's <laughs> I'm You're for the cheap produce. Exactly. And, and the cheap wine. Right? And so that's what this show is all about, like, giving you an inside look into their store, how they work, and why they have their own food, and how they have chefs that travel the globe, finding amazing recipes, and then working with those people be like, hey, we love your Mandarin chicken. We want to sell that at Trader Joe's. Let's work with you to get the recipe, and then, you know, get it out there. And by not having five different companies selling, you know, crackers in the store. There's no money for marketing and all of that stuff to compete. Right. And so then, therefore, the food is cheaper because they're not pushing that dollar, that marketing dollars off on the consumers in the end. And so they just have really great stories about how much they care about their customers. And um, I think I was telling you the other night, there's such a funny story about, I guess back in the day, they sold bananas prepackaged. Yeah. And they don't have scales in their stores. Like, so everything is as it is. This is the price. Pick it up, throw it in your cart. You don't have to worry, like, is this a pound of apples or what? And so one of the executives was in a store and saw this old lady, like, looking at bananas, and they were four in a pack. And he was, a like, bundle. a bundle, but, like, you know, pre-wrapped and stuff. And he went over and was like, ma'am, are you not buying bananas? And she was like, oh, uh, honey, I'm not sure I'm going to live to banana number four. So until you have less bananas, like, I don't want to buy them. And he was like, oh. Okay, you're kind of right. And now bananas are 19 cents each, and they're in singles. I do love that this woman's like, if I die, the worst thing that's going to (laughs) happen is my banana's going to get brown. (laughs) Like, all right, she's got priorities, man. She is not wasting shit. She's not wasting that banana. That's a bitch. For sure. (laughs) And she's shopping at Turjo, so it's already a little bit cheaper. But I just thought that was so funny. And then this guy was like... Yeah, you're right. <laughs> like that is stupid. You might die. Lady. You might die. That is stupid. That is a waste of packaging. <laughs> we'll let you pick the number of bananas that you would like. So funny. Um, it's an informative show. The shows are all about like or the show. The episodes are all about thirty-ish minutes. And like I said, there's five in the series, and it was really funny. Do you remember, like several years ago, before we had a Trader Joe's in town, yeah. there was an expose that 2020 or somebody like that did. Because there was a town in Canada right on the border uh, of, um, what's on top? Washington? Washington's yeah. on top right now. <laughs> you don't know those states. I don't know the west. Where's Colorado? Couldn't tell you. I don't know. Um, they didn't have Trader Joe's in, um, I, I think it's Vancouver. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And so a guy from Washington started this like private business, basically, where he was buying up Trader Joe's stock and then driving across the border and setting up like a farmer's market stand. Because people were like cookie those, butter and stuff. Exactly. For the Trader Joe's specific things. Yes. Like the wine, like the cookie butter. Um, they have all those weird flavored chips, like uh-huh. beet chips yep. and all of those things. And Trader Joe's found him out and got banned from one store. So then he would go to another, another store. store. Yeah. 
and then it became this whole Trader Joe's v. Vancouver situation. <laughs> and the Vancouver people were like, solve it by building a store it's here. A store, man. We clearly want to buy your product. Yes. I need to YouTube that later because it's it's kind of ridiculous uh-huh. and also like, screw the man. But, but it's hard for Trader Joe's to be the man because they are such a great store. Yeah, and like they talk so much about how like the stores are really in great communities and they spend a lot of time and money putting a lot of money back into the community, a lot of volunteer work. Every store is completely decorated and decked out yeah. as that city and just so much like hometown pride when yeah. you're there. And it's like, yeah, they have created some products that like I have seen other companies try to do their own cookie butter, uh-huh. but like nobody does it's it like, like Trader Joe's right. and nobody does it at the price that Trader Joe's does it. And they have really kind of created their own niche market, and for people sure. are dying for it. So much that they have a fucking podcast about <laughs> This just goes to show there are podcasts for literally everything. I haven't seen the Target, Super Target podcast. Because you haven't looked. It probably is out there. It probably is. All right. So funny. Do you want to take a break? Look for the Target podcast. Yeah. See if uh, maybe I need to refill mine. <laughs> and then come back for recast. Sounds good. Hey guys, we want to take a quick second and shout out to our Patreon subscribers. That's right. Let's start with our intro rewinder, Sandy Randolph. Thanks, Mom. <laughs> exactly. We also have a professional rewinder, and that is April Valdez. Shout out to April and her crew at Salon Bon Tempo. You can find them on Instagram at Salon Bon Tempo. And if you live in Orlando, be sure to check out April. She's an amazing hairstylist. What they're doing over there is awesome. So thanks, ladies, for listening. We love April and Salon Bon Tempo, and we would love to shout out you next week. So come on over to Patreon.com for as little as a dollar an episode. So cheap. So cheap. What's a dollar? You can join us. You can be a rewinder, and you will have exclusive access to to our bonus episodes. So over to patreon.com slash podcast rewind and rewind with us. Awesome. All right, let's get back into the episode. Hey, everybody. Welcome back. All right, Amy. Should we I'm, get the heavy hitters out? Let's do it. So it's been a few weeks. I'm mm-hmm. ready to, to go back to my lane. Mm-hmm. Murder. Murder. I listened to a true crime podcast this week. One I've talked about before, but this episode got me. Okay. So I'm recapping it here for you. Perfect. This is Sword and Scale. Oh, yeah. Uh, This is episode 115. Uh, He doesn't actually name his episodes. He just puts them out by number. Oh, all right. I dig. Um, And I just have to ever remind everyone, it's my favorite tagline of any podcast, but Sword and Scale is a show that reminds you that the worst monsters are real. Oh, yeah. That is so good. It's so good. Yes. Okay, so he starts off just kind of pontificating. We all have moments in life we wish we could take back. Like those more mm-hmm. five five ones. Like, <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, we all have moments we wish we could take back, but none of us have a time machine. Mm-hmm. So the choices that you make are just, until we invent that time machine, what we live with. And unfortunately, as you may have experienced last <laughs> night, when too much alcohol is involved, you may make choices you regret. <laughs> I didn't murder that I'm aware You of. didn't murder, I hope. <laughs> I really hope. Nobody's knocked on the door yet. Nope. So this is a story about a 31-year-old woman named Nicole Vander Hayden, who graduated... Great name. Great name. She goes by Nikki. Okay. Now here... Okay, get sad. Ready? She graduated in 2003, so she is one year younger than you and me. Oh, yeah. And she grew up in the Green Bay area. She married young. She married Brian, Brian Vander Hayden. Young, uh, they had two children, divorced early, mm-hmm. didn't really work out. She's looking to start her life over again, and she meets a man named Doug, and they fall madly in love. 
Things go quickly. Within a month, she's pregnant. Ooh. So his first child, her third. Yeah. Um, and they move in together, and they start this young, blended, working family. Cute. So they're working hard. She's in the education system. She wants to be a teacher, but she's substituting. He is working in his uh, construction business, his family's construction business, started by his grandfather. Okay. Just everyday American yeah, life, for really. Sure. And on May 20th, 20th, 2016, so think about it, almost two years ago to now. Uh-huh. Today, is today the 25th or the 26th? 27th. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so two years and one week ago. Uh-huh. Um, Doug and Nikki's friends, you know, are planning a night out at the bar to see one of their favorite bands, Steel Panther, and invite Doug and Nikki out. And they went, you know what? Let's take a break. Let's have some fun. Let's go hang out. So they get Nikki's mom to come and watch the kids the beginning part of the night, Mm -hmm. and then her friend Dallas comes about halfway through, so Nikki's mom can go home, go to bed, and watch the kids till they get home, because it's going to be a late one. Oh, yeah. So Nikki and Doug, their friends Greg, and I think Celeste, and a big group of them, are all out at a bar called The Watering Hole. Ooh, of course. In Green Bay, they're not being too fancy with how they're naming things. No, definitely not. Hey, Green Bay. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Shout out. Uh, so, look, they proceed to drink like it's the end of the world. Never done that before. They get <laughs> fucking wasty face. Uh-huh. Uh, they're at the concert. The concert ends, and they're doing that, like, we're going next bar yeah. thing. And then Doug just kind of wanders away from the group. They went mm-hmm. to the bathroom. Everyone kind of reconvenes, and Doug's nowhere to be had. Irish exit? Well, we'll get there. <laughs> and so... Nikki isn't really, these are really Doug's friends, actually. And yeah. They know Nikki, but not well. They, she has just given birth a few months ago, so they've been together probably less than a year at uh-huh. this point, even though they're very serious. Um, but she doesn't know the friends great, but knows them enough to go to the next bar called, I guess it doesn't matter, but. It's <laughs> uh, <laughs> a great name for a bar. Um, it's like Striking Pig or something oh, like okay. that. Bar um, number two. Bar number, they go to, she goes to bar number two with. The friends, and we don't know where Doug is. And the friends say at first at bar number two, she's drinking and having a good time. But pretty soon, she's like, where the fuck is Doug? And she's on her phone, and she's texting him and texting him, and he won't text her back. And now about an hour has gone by, and no one still knows where Doug or Greg, the other friend, are. Uh And it's kind of time to go. And one of the people in the group, another girl named Angela calls Doug, and he answers. Oh, shit. Right. And Nikki's been texting, and he won't answer her, but picks up the phone for Angela. Who is this whore? That's what (laughs) Nikki said. Nikki's having none of this shit, and girl, I'm with you. Yes. So Nikki's like, fuck all y'all, and goes tearing off down the street. Now, another friend that's with them kind of goes after her, like, "Whoa, whoa, 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 like, come back. Don't worry about it. Let's get back in the bar and let's, you know, figure it out. And she's like, no, you motherfucking, uh-huh. you know, that like, fuck him, fuck him. And she yeah. tears off. So now Greg and Doug, um, Doug the boyfriend, Greg uh-huh. the friend, they kind of find out Nikki's pissed. So they wind up coming to the second bar She's already gone. Here's another poor decision they make. They have a few shots at that second bar, thinking probably that she'll come back. Yeah. Um, She doesn't. So then Greg and Doug kind of go driving around for a little while. Mm -hmm. Here's another bad decision. 
Greg is a little less drunk than Doug, but Doug, the boyfriend, is hammered. Yeah. So Greg gives him Adderall to <gasps> try to help, mm-hmm, try to help metal him, mellow him out. So they drive around for a while. They don't find Nikki. So they go back to Doug's house. At this point, Greg is like, I'm drunk as shit. I yeah. have to go home. He leaves, so it's Doug and Dallas, the babysitter, slash Dallas is a good friend of Nikki's. Uh-huh. So those two don't actually know each other all that well. But Doug is like, Dallas, can you call her? Call her over and over and over. Um, at, earlier in the night, I forgot to say, Doug and Nikki had talked on the phone. This was after she'd run away from the bar. Yeah. And she was just incoherent. They she, All they knew that was that she was out somewhere else, but... You know, she was not making any sort of sense at all. And then the phone cut out. They think the battery died. Okay. Um, It didn't sound like she hung up or anything. It sounded like she was mid-talk and it went away. So probably her battery died. So Dallas calling her incessantly at Doug's request is not actually doing anything. Yeah. And Doug is now starting to get really worried. Uh Whereas before he was like, she's pissed, she'll calm down. But they have an infant in the house. And so he kind of knows at some point... She's going to come back for her three children yeah. that are here in the house, especially the infant. And Dallas, the friend, is like, don't worry. She's still breastfeeding. She's going to become engorged soon. She uh-huh. is going to have to come oh, home. Oh, yeah. Pump and dump, I Pump hope. And dump. I for hope. sure. Um, so da- and Dallas is starting to get uncomfortable because she doesn't know Doug all that well. And then Doug pulls charming, you know, choice number what, 17 of the night and Whoa. asks Dallas for a bowl of marijuana. What? Dallas How many has it. Drugs is he taking in this yeah, night? He's fucked up. Yes. Dallas has the pot. He smokes. She claims she does not. Whether she does or doesn't, doesn't matter. She lets him rip her bowl. She takes it and she <laughs> leaves. Rip your bowl. It's always <laughs> the funniest place. <laughs> Did I do You're that being right? so serious. I'm yes. sorry. I don't know about drugs. Did I do that right? Rip <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. There's a lot of things I don't know, and that's one of them. <laughs> I need to call a guy and ask questions. I don't know. I've got to see a man about a horse. Okay, back to the murder <laughs> story. <laughs> and scene. And so, also, Doug is showing Dallas before she leaves, like, Nikki's really pissed. Here's the text messages. And it's like, what fucking bitch are you with? These are Nikki's text messages to Doug. Yeah. What fucking bitch are you with? Wow, what slut are you with? Oh, you know, okay. She's rage texting. Yes. Which I... Sadly admit I've done. <laughs> it's not cute. Mm-mm. And look, you don't mean it. Probably you don't have all you the information. Do it to get attention. You're trying you're just trying to get elicit a response. Yes. And look, she got abandoned by her boyfriend at the bar. They're supposed to be having a night out. He's not paying attention to no. her. She has clearly had too much to drink. Yeah. Little rights texting. I get it. Here's where I would have ripped his balls off, because the only response he did give all night was lol. He texted her back, L-O-L. Well, that or K. <laughs> just the letter K. <laughs> K, K would make me go. But you might as well just tell me to calm down. <laughs> See how well that works. What the fuck is wrong with you? Oh, why don't you go fuck yourself? L-O-L. Lols. Lols. Fuck so, off, Doug. All right. <clears throat> so, every, so Dallas leaves. Doug is just kind of at the house with the kids at this point. Nikki doesn't show up. He eventually goes to sleep. So the next day, Nikki is still not there. He's freaking out in the morning, and I don't think he wakes up early. Uh-huh. Um, hopefully the ch- children were being taken care of somehow. Yeah. 
But um, unfortunately, later in the afternoon, a naked woman's body is found three miles from Doug and Nikki's house in a farm field. The farmers are up doing their chores for the day. Mm-hmm. Find her. And Doug, at this point, has called his friends. Do you, have you seen Nikki? Called her family. Yeah. Nobody has seen her. So he calls the police and files a missing persons report. So the police at this point know that there is a dead woman's body in a field and know that this report has been made. So they go to Doug's house and they don't tell him about the body. Oh, they just, they're on a fact finder at this yeah. point because they think maybe this is going to be a thing. And they say at the time, he really passes the test. He's got no physical injuries on him mm-hmm. where the body they found has been badly, badly beaten. Got it. Um, so there should be like a struggle mark. She clearly had defensive wounds, like missing fingernails. Yeah. Yeah. She fought and he has no visible injuries. He's wearing a short and t-shirt. So you can really see he's got nothing going on. The sheriff said he just looked hungover. Really. If I can be honest, like pale and the bags under the eyes and that he seemed legitimately worried. And in this state of where is she? I'm just worried about her and her safety. She should be home by now. This isn't right. Um, so they kind of, they have that initial interview with Doug at his house. And then later on at night, this is so sad. Doug is with Nikki's family, her sister, Heather, and her parents. And they see on television oh, that no. a body has been found. Yeah. Which is such a horrible, horrible way, way to find, find out. out. And they just know at this point, it's a, a woman of Nikki's age. And so they're all trying to stay positive. Uh, you know, for their own, be? for how can you be? But yes, that night, um, the sheriff does take, or they come back to Doug's house uh, now to do a search. They find blood in his uh, garage and in his bathroom. They find a pair of shoes with a print that may match the prints near the body. Mm -hmm. And they are taking cords, electrical cords, away from the house because it looks to be like she was strangled Mm -hmm. with, like, a cell phone cord or something like that. So um, then... The, so they, they don't take Doug into custody yet, but the next day a neighbor calls because he he says, you know what, I was out mowing my lawn this morning and there was a ton of blood on the curb right next door to, to Doug's house. And he was like, before I heard about any of this, I figured it was an animal. Somebody got hit by a car yeah. or something. And he goes, then I was mowing my lawn and a cord got caught in my lawnmower. And I thought, Shut oh, up. someone tr- threw trash out their car like fucking kids. Or whatever, but he was like, now that I've seen some things on the news, so the police come out, having the blood in his own front yard is not good, and Doug is taken into custody Uh at this time. And he's in jail for up to 18 days when forensics come back. So Nikki, it was confirmed to be Nikki's body, unfortunately, and she did have DNA on her, but it's not Doug's. Uh, The blood in the garage was turkey's. The blood in the bathroom was her sister's because she had gotten a nosebleed upon seeing that news report that there was a body. And the shoes that he took didn't match the prints. Oh, my God. So Doug is released. Also, here comes technology. He had been like, you can have everything. You can have my cell phone, my Uh computer. His Fitbit proved that he was asleep in the time frame that she must have been murdered. Amazing. Yes. So he's cleared. So... The DNA on her, only on her sock do they find DNA of somebody else. damn. The sock? it matches. It matches a name, George Birch, 
who has had five previous convictions of bullshit. They got him on file. I don't know what his crimes were, but they got him on file. So this is George Birch. They go, hey, bud, where were you the night of May 20th, 2016? And he spins this fucking stupid story. No way. Yes. So, by the way, he's new to Green Bay. He moved in March 2016 for, like, a new job. Fucking new in town. (laughs) Trolling the bars. So it turns out, Nikki, when she stormed off from the second bar, she went to a third bar. And that's where she ran into George Birch. Which, again, here we go with choices. And she made a real, real bad one, unfortunately. The two of them evidently had gotten to talking. Let me tell you George's fucking tale. I love when you are I, telling these murder stories, especially Sword and Scale, I think, when you are just like, this, this motherfucker. canoe. <laughs> not only did he, uh, so George killed her. Yeah. But not only does he do that, here's the fucking bullshit he tries to pull. He met her in the bar. Uh-huh. They get to talking. They want to go home together, according to him. So he takes her to his house. And then, which by the way, all of this is where his, where his location was the entire night is completely confirmed because, uh, I'll get to it in a second. <laughs> uh, so he takes her to her house. She goes, no, no, I need to go home and like relieve the babysitter. So they go to her house, but then she thinks, I don't want to go inside. So according to George, they start doing it in his truck in her driveway. Cool. He's smacked over the head and knocked out cold. He wakes up and there's a hooded figure with a gun and he realizes Nikki's dead on the ground. And then he's got to pull his pants up and the hooded figures pointing the gun at him forces him to load Nikki's body into the back of his car, drive her to this farm and Uh. dump her. But as he's dumping her, he sees the gunman get distracted and he's able to throw the body, shove him, get in his car, and get away. This and drive to the police station? No. Motherfucker. <laughs> Ask Google, how do I get home from here? Because he's new to town and doesn't know. Ask Google, how do I get home from here? He goes home, goes to bed without calling the police, and goes on a nice fishing trip with his fucking friends the next morning. Shut up. And I was too scared to call the police. That's his goddamn story. What? Yes. Yes. So, um, like I said, Doug, the boyfriend, had been in jail for okay, 18 Google. days. Directions to dropping off a body. Oh, right. So, as soon as Doug is released, all of a sudden, George Birch makes this police call uh, on his own saying, my truck was stolen and I found it, like, burnt out in a field. Or I think it got stolen and they find it burnt out in a field. Because now he knows the boyfriend's not on the hook anymore and he's got to get rid of evidence in uh-huh. his truck. So as part of making this claim for this stolen vehicle, he agrees, stupidly, to the police to hand over his cell phone, and they take full (gasps) forensic information from it, and he's got an Android. And it turns out his Google location services all of that information the police have. And on the night of the murder... They, that's how they can prove that he was within nine feet of where her body was found. Oh. How long he was in front of her house. Okay, how long Google. He was, okay, Google. <laughs> Get it. And look, don't commit a crime with your cell phone on no, you. No, don't. I'm just saying. Don't commit crimes. And look, the, so this is his story that it's actually Doug. He claims that the boyfriend, Doug, is yeah. the masked gunman who uh-huh. made him do all this at gunpoint. Thankfully, the jury sees through that garbage. He was a drunken guy. With a list of convictions prior, he met this girl in a bar, 
thought he was going to take her home and fuck her. Uh-huh. She probably had come to her senses at some point, was like, yeah. take me home. Nope, this mm-hmm. is a bad idea. And he got mad. Yeah. He didn't like being told no. He flew into a rage and um, killed her, raped her, and dumped her body and tried this nonsensical story. Stop it. To cover up his tracks. But thankfully, the American justice system... Uh, stepped in. He was found guilty in March of 2018. Wow. Yeah, this has been dragging on for a while. His sentencing was May 4th, which was post the um, production date of this podcast. So I I don't know what he got sentenced to. We might have to Google that later. Okay, Okay, Google. Google. (laughs) Our phones are going to go crazy because we're Androids. Yeah, (laughs) I know. Oh my God, we're going to make everyone's house thing blow up. They're going to be so mad at us. Send us an email <laughs> with your complaints yes. at podcastrwd at gmail.com. Perfect plug. All right. That was Sword and Scale, episode 115. Hi. Amazing. Okay. I am buzzing. Yes. With excitement I can for my podcast of the week. So, you a little true crime and dark, too. I did. Yeah, I did. Yeah. I am talking about a Netflix podcast called You Can't Make This Up. Good friend awesome. of uh huh. Good friend of mine, Ashley, works at Netflix, and we were talking about a show the other day that I was all excited about, and she was like, "Hey, I just randomly went to a meeting that was like all about podcasts. We have a Netflix podcast. You have a podcast recap show. It's on Spotify. Go check it out." And I was like, "Great!" On it, I immediately checked it out. Um, and the concept of you can't make this up is each week a new host will interview filmmakers. And, like, producers of different documentaries and kind of dig into, like, how did you get access to these people? All Netflix documentaries, All Netflix documentaries. So it's just really branding on branding on branding. Uh You know? That machine is working. Um, They ask, you know, what were the behind the scenes? What didn't we see? What made the cutting room floor? And so what is that word that when you hear a phrase or a word... All of a sudden in your like oh. lexicon and it repeats itself and you're like, what the hell? That's I don't so know crazy. what the word is. I call it being it like calling it out of the universe. Yes. But so there is a word. There is a word, right? So I'm gonna say tonight we have talked about the year two thousand and three a couple of times. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. Yeah. So where were you in two thousand and three? Um I was specifically like end of August two thousand and three. I was going from my freshman year of college into my sophomore year of college. Awesome. Yeah, I just got back from an internship in New York. Yes. And I went back to school early because I was an RA. I went to school in Erie, Pennsylvania for two years at Penn State. And on August 28th, Brian Wells, a pizza delivery driver for mm. Mamma Mia Pizzas mm. in Erie, robbed a PNC bank, my PNC bank in Erie, with a collar bomb strapped to his neck. And collar. Collar. And, um, yeah, robbed a bank. And it was a crazy time. Everyone didn't know, like, why is this guy robbing a bank with, like, a bomb? Who would do that to themselves? And um, the police stop him, and in the middle of Erie, his bomb goes off. And it became the craziest bank heist the FBI has ever seen. And this past week, Netflix did a documentary on it called Evil Evil Genius. And it was so good. You watched it. I was like, Amy. I was going to not, because I knew that you were so excited uh-huh. about it, because of your personal connection to it. I yeah. was going to let you tell me everything. But girl, shit, it was in the lexicon. Uh-huh. I had to watch it. I binged it the last two days. Yes. It's only four episodes, Correct. so it doesn't take much time. I'm shook, but knowing the entire time watching it that you were there in the city, in the Room city where, where it, it happened, happened, 
It's happened is murder and city is, <laughs> the room is eerie. Damn dumb. Yes. So, I mean, it was a crazy story. We were all, you know, two exits away at Penn State, Erie, and it was, you know, like, oh, did you hear some guy like robbed a bank with a bomb? And I don't know. We were like, yeah, same. What class Children. do you have in the morning? Yeah. Yeah. Because <laughs> we're only so, 19. Yeah. Teenager, like, self-absorbed. Are you going to the teak party tonight? Uh, no, I'm going um, to Delta Chi. <laughs> um, and so we knew it all happened and we were, you know, idiots would be like driving down Peach Street and be like, oh, that's the bank. Ooh, that's the parking lot of the eyeglass world where it happened. Ooh, that's Ooh. Mama Mia Pizza. And it was just kind of one of those things that you would drive by and be like, oh, that's really creepy. And it's also one of those things that I've kind of forgot about. Uh-huh. It's been 15 years. It's in the so, back of your head. Yeah. So this past Monday, I was, you know, crawling into bed. What Netflix show do I want to watch to fall asleep to? And I see this trailer immediately start to play. And I'm watching it. And all of a sudden, I pop out of bed. I'm like, oh, holy shit. This is the pizza bomber guy. I was there. This is insane. And I started watching it. And I started to get tired because it was late. And I was like, no, no, no. This show deserves your full attention. <laughs> Hit stop. Pick this up later. Pick this up tomorrow and I immediately the next morning was like mom do you remember that pizza bomber thing there's a Netflix documentary go and it's so amazing so for those of you who haven't really watched Evil Genius yet figured we'd give a deep dive into exactly what the fuck happened uh yeah we'll unpack it yeah we will unpack it and so like I said Brian Wells a guy in his mid-40s pizza delivery driver for Mama Mia Pizza and Erie gets a phone call two pizzas this kind of weird location, like, in the middle of nowhere near some, like, radio towers in town. Yeah, 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 yeah. So delivers the pizzas and um, says that he was jumped by three black men and a bomb strapped around his neck and given, like, pages of long long pages of a scavenger hunt. Step one being, like, you need to go rob a bank. We need $250,000. And then continue through your scavenger hunt and you'll get four keys to unlock your collar bomb. So you have to do this to save your own life. To save your own life. And by the way, I think you have 55 minutes. And it's like, oh. He had 20 minutes until the first key. And if he unlocked that, then he would be given more time. But they never really knew how much time. But all in all, it wasn't enough No, absolutely not. If you know Erie, Peach Street is like the main street in town that goes from the highway all the way down into the city on the water. And it is crazy. And so, yeah, he gets stopped after robbing the bank, which... He was chill about robbing the bank. Like, he waited Suits in chill. line. He got himself a lollipop. Yeah. And just, like, kind of walked out and was like, no big deal. And then, of course, the cops stop, stop him and have him in the middle of this, like, parking lot surrounded. And he's on the ground. And he's like, hey, guys. Could you, could you get the other notes? Yeah, there's, check my car. Um, this is a bomb. <laughs> I'm not. I just keep shouting, I'm not lying. Yeah. I'm not it's lying. Crazy. It's crazy. And... All of a sudden, in the not, and I will say, it's explicit. Prepare yourself. It's rough. It's rough. It's not uh, the full situation. The editors were, did what they had to do. But you see him and his eyes widen and him go, it's going to go off. And you hear click, click, click. Yeah, it's beeping. The police can even hear it beeping. Uh Uh-huh. And live on TV. Oh, God. And on the documentary, you see the flash of the bomb. And thankfully, the documentary kind of. Does some beautiful editing. Yeah, it blacks out. It blacks out. you back, but still clenches your ass. Uh-huh. I mean, it's it's like, no, God, yeah. I haven't. Oh. Uh-huh. Yeah. It's probably the worst thing that's ever happened live on TV, I would have to imagine. It's right up there. Uh-huh. And then, um, so, they're like, what the fuck? There's no way that this guy truly did rob a bank on his own accord. 
Who would strap a bomb to their body? And he only got 8000 He didn't get two fifty like he was supposed to. Well, no bank has he had 250 k on that. Yeah, no. You it, know what yeah, I mean? Banks are a little bit out. smarter. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. then um, one month later, this just random guy, Bill Rothstein, calls the cops and is just like, hey, just like FYI, my ex-girlfriend's current boyfriend, he's dead in my freezer. Yeah. <laughs> they were like, Mer? okay. So um, they come and they're like, thank you for the freezer. Um, that's also another explicit moment where you have to truly oh, see a frozen, see body. frozen body. It was really terrifying. They don't hold back a lot on this thing. They really don't. And um, the guy was just like, yeah, so my ex-girlfriend, Marjorie Deal Armstrong, I don't know the, you know, I don't know, but she just kind of called me and said my boyfriend's dead. And I was like, I got it. And you're like, what the fuck is this story? Tell me more about the guy that just robbed a bank. Well, right. At first, it's like these things are not connected. Why are you tell? Why is yeah. it in the same documentary? Is this a news story? Uh huh. And then it tells you how it is connected. And then it's crazy. So the cops come in, and you know, are and Bill is being like, "Cool, like check out my house. Yeah, I'm a clear hoarder. Also, everybody they show on this show Everyone is, is a, a hoarder. hoarder. It's so bizarre. Yes, because Marjorie was and Ken was too. Yes. Right. Everyone's a weird hoarder. Hoarder and filthy and disgusting. And, um, but with a lot of, like, lovers, and I think to myself, I think I'm clean. <laughs> Why doesn't anyone love Why me? Why doesn't anybody love me? These people don't shower. So, They're like drug riddled. My own personal sidebar when I see these things. <laughs> um, so the cops are at Bill's house, and he's, you know, going through everything, and it looks like they're going to kind of give him some kind of immunity for really helping out. And then he sort of says to the cops, like, oh, yeah, did you ever get my note when I was trying to, like, originally... A couple days ago, kill myself. I was going to do a suicide. Did you get my note? No, what? <laughs> and he's like, they find the note. And the first line is like, FYI, this is not about the death of Brian Wells. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone was like, dude. <laughs> dude. Um, and even the cops were all like, holy fucking shit. Like, what are you, why would you have a suicide note? And then be like, by the way, this has nothing to do with the guy that robbed <laughs> the bank. In case you were wondering. In case you were wondering. Guess what? We weren't, motherfucker. <laughs> we weren't. But now we're looking into you. But Wait a minute. Now we are. Your house is down the street from the site where Brian originally delivered the pizzas. Mm-hmm. Wait a minute. You were in this, motherfucker. Let's go. And so, like I said, Bill gets immunity, and they really end up charging Marjorie with the death of her boyfriend and gets about 20 years in jail. She and did kill that much. She did kill him. But then we start to meet this Marjorie chick and, and fuck she, it, broad. she's a broad and she becomes the star of this thing she's crazy she's crazy she's diabolical she's diabolical she's cunning <clears throat> she's also captivating you yes. can't look away from her no and she's in jail but like won't shut up no and like you kind of find out more about her about the fact that she is truly has a very high iq she is very smart. Same with Bill Rothstein. He'll be the first one to tell you, I'm smarter than you. And he might. And he did. And he he did. told that FBI guy that the first time they met, and the FBI guy said, that's possible, man. I just met you. Because <laughs> his first words were, I'm the smartest man in this room. And the FBI guy said, well, there's only two of us, and I just met you. So that might be so true. Maybe, but let's figure it out. So that's where we find out so much more about Marjorie and Bill and their history together as boyfriend, girlfriend, and then just 35 friends, years. 35 history. years. And... Just how, you know, Marjorie is clearly a sociopath. And she even, like, yeah. tries to check herself into mental health facilities and see therapists and be like, I don't feel 
Mm-hmm. Was as a young as yeah. a younger woman in her twenties, she was brilliant. She was at the top of her class. Mm-hmm. She had um, she had a master's degree, I think, in social work. Yeah, but she was just kind of a failure to launch type person. Mm-hmm. And mental health obviously wasn't um, no wasn't far down the lane yeah. yet. But she knew she wasn't okay. It was checking herself into places, and they were like, "No, like if you." You're passing all these tests. Yeah. Like, Wait, because she's so she's so, she's so, so smart. smart. They kept sending her on her way going, you're all right. Yeah. You're there, I mean, sister. this is definitely, like, if you think about it too long, like, this is a case where, you know, the system fails, the system fails especially when it comes to mental health. The sure. mental health system constantly does fail. And people die because of that. And it turned yeah. out quite a lot of people, um, while Marge is in, I'm going to call her Marge, while she is in <laughs> jail, she is, like, won't shut up with, like, people in her cell. And she's like, Telling everybody stories, and it's... And the jailhouse snitches are keeping notes. Keeping detailed notes. I mean, for no reason does she start talking about the Brian Wells thing, and then kind of offhandedly says to somebody, like, oh, you think we didn't, like, measure his neck for the collar? Oh, and her cellmates look at each other, and are like, the fuck did that come from? They, like, have to go to the lunchroom to talk about yes. it later, because they're so freaked out. They're so freaked out. And Says they, them. Now... Jailhouse snitches, that is a thing. That exactly. You, you got to be wary. Exactly. So, like I mentioned, she's in jail, and then about two years after the whole Brian Wells case, Bill passes away from cancer. Mm-hmm. And um, he was very sick and just, like I said, a lot of people die in this story. It's kind of crazy. And Marjorie it's almost says, like, every man that's ever dated or loved her winds up dying. Yeah. Well, she killed two of them. <laughs> she killed two. So, she knows um, where two of them she, went. She knows what she did. <laughs> Her uh, her husband did die of natural causes. Mm-hmm. She was eventually she was married at one point. She was engaged to Bill and broke it off. Yeah, but she had two boyfriends, including the one in the freezer that yeah. she shot and killed because they pissed her off. Yes, she got out of the first one, went to jail for the second. Yeah. Well, so then we're introduced to Ken Barnes or Cocaine Ken, Cocaine as he likes Ken. to call himself. And what he a gets character turned in. To the jail for something else. Well, they're investigating him because they're talking to all of Marjorie and Bill's friends. True. And he and Marjorie were fishing buddies. Yes. And so he starts to sing, basically. Yeah, so does his girlfriend. Yes. And they were like, okay, so here's the overarching story. Marjorie wanted her dad dead. And she was fighting with him over inheritance that she felt was rightfully hers. Her mother had passed. Her mother had passed. She's an only child. Correct. And so Marjorie wanted Ken to kill her father, but needed money, though despite constantly claiming that she was wealthy on her own, still needed a good chunk of money to pay Ken. So they were going to have somebody rob a bank to pay Ken, and that's She also had an issue with this bank because she felt that the father didn't have rights to transfer money from the mother's inheritance account or Uh whatever that was to his account. And she was mad personally at the bank for allowing her father to take that money. Yes. And so this PNC bank, the one where the robbery happened, she wanted to get at them, and she also wanted her father dead. Which is insane. Because then, like, the guy producing the whole thing does does find Marjorie's father because he's still alive. Yeah. And And just, like, sits with him on his porch in his, like, (laughs) Bujicana vacation t-shirt. That was my favorite. And the dad's like, jokes on her. I changed my whole will. She ain't even in it. (laughs) My favorite is when he watered a a rose bush with a gallon of water, like from a milk jug, but then poured it over the top of the plant and not like in the soil. So like we weren't working with the smartest guy. He actually made me so sad because he was talking about how 
he and his wife had loved Marjorie so much, but she was just so crazy. Yeah. And he said, you know, she doesn't know how to love. And he goes, I took all of that money because I don't, he was like, I wanted to help Marjorie and I admittedly spoiled her when my mm-hmm. wife was alive, but I don't know what to do with all this money that I have if I can't help others. So I kept it away from her so it would go to good. Yes. Oh. Yeah, because he was like, her having this money doesn't mean she's not going to commit crimes. Like, I think she's right. Like, she got serious issues. Yeah, he's like, we can't give her anymore. She fucks everything up. Mm-hmm. She owned a house they bought her. She owned a second house and a second piece or a third piece of land. All that her parents had bought her because they were very wealthy, mm-hmm. and she wasn't holding down jobs. Yeah, but they she would want it, and they would buy it, and she would fuck it up, and they're like, "We're done. Mm-hmm. We're done giving you these things." Yeah, I mean, she's it's a thing, an evil genius, and they talk. They say that every now and then. She calls. That's if you notice when she's on her rants, uh-huh. she keeps saying, "I'm not some sort of evil genius. I'm not some sort of yes. evil genius." And so then I fucking love that they trolled her so hard by naming the documentary "Evil, evil genius. genius." And it's fascinating because the producer, um, I believe, Trey Borzellini. I can't pronounce. Yeah, his last he's name. the director. Yeah, and yeah. the narrator. And yeah, and the executive really producer. Puts it all he's together. the one that like. So in regards to this podcast. He's being interviewed, and it's like, I was in Buffalo, New York the day this pizza robbery happened because it was splashed all over national news. And I was like, what the hell is this? And just kind of kept digging. And he truly forms a relationship he does. with Marjorie. And it's fascinating. He becomes a piece of the, the series. And she thinks that they're friends. He's mm-hmm. clearly more journalistic and more biased, but has to allow, lead her to believe that they're yeah. friends. She's fully aware that he's making this documentary, yes. too. So she keeps saying things like, your movie's going to fucking suck if you go with that angle. Yes. And at one point in time, there, um, she's on trial, and he walks in and sits with the prosecution. And she's like, hey, Trey, Trey, you're on the wrong side. Over here. And he's like, oh, fuck. And he has to get up in front of everyone and change sides. And make it look like he's with her, but it's like, this he's is for this. He's got to, to keep the... Communication going. 100%. And, like, the thing <sighs> about her is that, like you said, like, she rants. Yes. And she's a narcissist. She's a sociopath. And yeah. she keeps mm-hmm. talking. You hear Trey in the podcast say, like, the reason you hear phone calls with me and her, and he's like, we would talk for two hours, and then we'd hang up, and she'd call right back, and we'd talk for another hour. He's like, because I was waiting for the phone call where she admits it. Do you know who it reminds me of, Marjorie? No. I'm blanking. What's his name? Serial. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, 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 no. Not Serial. Uh, S-Town. 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 What's his name? John. John. She reminds me of him. Yes. The narcissist, crazy, brilliant, nuts. Uh-huh. Um, I Feed hate off myself. Of other people. What is his name? Macklemore. John, John Macklemore. John B. Macklemore. John B. Macklemore. <laughs> um, yeah. Marjorie Deal Armstrong. Exactly. And so here's the thing that I thought was really interesting that they talked about on the podcast. And we will get back to the rest of this crazy story in a second, but um, Barbara Schroeder, who's the writer and director, who kind of came on a few years ago with Trey to help him really write this narrative in this true series, said that, like, you know, sociopaths and narcissists click into empaths because, like, they know you're going to listen and that you will... And they believe that you care. They believe that you care. And so I think you're right when it came to S-Town and um, the host, Brian, mm-hmm. was definitely empathetic towards oh, yeah. John B's situation and, you know, really helped draw that whole story out. And I think Trey did the exact same thing with a lot of people in this documentary because, you know, by the time yeah. he really did start, Bill had already died. You know what I mean? So he's still trying to cling to, like, whatever information he can get. And it turns out that it's Marjorie who's, like, the main one that he can get his source of information from. Yeah. 
But so then we find out that, and some of this is news to me as somebody who lived in Erie, PA for two years, that there's quite the prostitution going on. I mean, I know prostitution well, happens everywhere. everywhere. It is the oldest profession. Yes. Um, but we are introduced to Jessica Hopstick. And AKA she, number one white girl. girl. Um, and a we say that for sure. And we say that because Trey shows us some text messages between him and Jessica. And you know how you can have a signature in your text message? Yeah. Hers you, was yeah. Jessica and underneath N-O one. number one white, white girl. girl. All lowercase, obvious. And it was just I like. Had, she got a name for herself. <laughs> and like we never addressed that in the series. It was like, whoa, 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 hold up. Is that on the podcast, maybe? No, it wasn't. Well, it was in the beginning because Matt Bellasai was the host of this episode. And the first That's five... odd. It was odd. The first five minutes is him doing a real fast recap of the entire series in about five minutes. So you are up to speed. So then he can interview so can Trey and Barbara. And he even was like, you may all now speak to me as number one white girl. That's my new name going forward. <laughs> so he had that question, too. I was like, what the fuck is that? Like... We're not going to go back. I guess it doesn't pertain to the story. But we find out that Jessica is kind of Brian Wells, the pizza delivery guy's number one hooker. (laughs) His number one white girl. Number one white girl. You know, when they did, um, after he died, when the FBI, like, kind of raided his house, they did find, like, a notebook with, like, his his prostitutes, like, listed out in their numbers. She was his favorite. And so she finally admits to Trey that she knew Ken and the team were doing this bank heist, and that they needed a dumb guy to go along with it in a, in a way. Yeah, they, they needed a, a patsy. Is that right? No, I was going to say scapegoat, but I don't think that that's right either. No. Um, and so... They needed a... Yeah, they needed a dummy. Exactly. So she says, you know, they were like, eh, I know this guy, Brian, and gives him the name, and then, you know, it kind of goes from there that they ask for his schedule and follow him around, and... A big part of the of the documentary too is the question: Was Brian a willing participant? Because we do exactly. find out he's a little off himself, yep. and he loves a scavenger hunt in the back yeah. of the newspaper. Uh, and was he a willing participant? Thought he could beat the game, or was he duped into this? Right? Did they know enough about him that they targeted him? Right. And um, Marjorie, the kind of the only one alive anymore. Ken yeah. and Marjorie are both uh, incarcerated. Ken's just not saying shit. He doesn't want to leave jail mm-hmm. at this point. He's yeah. like, I got food. I'm off drugs. I got friends. Uh-huh. I'm good. Marjorie wants out of jail. So she is insisting that Brian Wells was part of the scheme because there is no statute of limitations for capital murder. Mm-hmm. So if it were to be determined by the investigators that he was um, kidnapped and forced to do this, she could be charged with capital murder and given the death penalty, potentially. Exactly. And th- so that's why she's lying up and down that Brian went along with this. Other folks in Brian's life, his family is steadfast. That yes. Absolutely not. He wouldn't do this. Mm-hmm. That's kind of the crux and, like, the only unanswered question about the, all, exactly. the whole situation. And that's how, really, the documentary winds up like mm-hmm. we'll just never know because we can't ask Brian we can't ask Brian and we can't ask Marjorie anymore because she also died she's in jail passed. she is passed so it's really Ken and number one white girl are <laughs> the ones that we have left but I will say um it's exactly what Barbara who the writer is of this documentary goes on to say that like the worst tragedy in this entire thing is that there is no justice for Brian Wells or his family never and be. so again at the end of the documentary they do show Basically, his execution, again, just kind of with that reminder that, you know, it's, it's tragic and it's horrific, but he paid a price. Like, he lost his life 
And was it because these three people over here in the corner were just fucking around and trying to, what was their end game? Like, it's just the most bizarre Bizarre. story. It sounds like something you would really see in a movie. And it is, it doesn't seem real. And it did. I mean, Geraldo Rivera did specials on it. Greta Van Susteren. I mean, it was one of those cases that captivated. I also don't recall being myself a freshman at Kalamazoo, Michigan, at Western Michigan University. (laughs) I mean, I maybe saw this on a news flash, but I don't recall it at all. And I lived it. Yeah, and and that's the only reason exactly like. But you know, adults but, knew. <laughs> I think it, my mom definitely was like, oh, yeah, no, I had questions about you living in Erie after that moment. Um, but I will say, you know, that sophomore year afterwards, we would definitely be driving down Peach Street and it'd be like, oh, yeah, that's the bank you robbed and that's that parking lot. And in watching it all back, it's just so insane to see that footage. And, you know, one of the guys is being interviewed in, in front of an Eaton Park, which is like our diners up in Pennsylvania. Loved an Eaton Park. Loved an Eaton Park. Talk about it all the time. And, well, not all the time. <laughs> I've heard about it. Over the 12 years of this friendship, I've heard about it at least a dozen times. I definitely talk about other at things. At least once a year. For sure. They have really but, great, if you're from Pittsburgh, you fucking know those cookies are I no joke. Um, it's a place for smiles. But um, <laughs> it's such an institution in Pittsburgh is probably why. Um, but I was going to say that, like, just looking at it all back, and it happened in 2003, and, like, seeing, like, the footage, it's like, wow, 2003 really was a long time ago. Am I old? <laughs> yeah, sh- no, let's not go there. <laughs> I know. But, yeah, it's such a tragic situation. It's so crazy that I know it. And, like I said, that bump, like, jump out of bed, like, fuck, and everything came flooding back and talking to friends we yeah. went to school with there, we were all like, oh, yeah, that was such a weird situation. It's fascinating. Like, I feel kind of honored that I was really into this doc, and I know a person that's connected. Yes. You know, it's I so feel important. a little more important now. <laughs> it's just after all of the different murder shows we watch and podcasts that we listen to, um, never had a tie to any of them. And now to think, like, nope, I totally do. That's yep. insane. Like we said, room where it happened, if room is eerie and ha- what happened was murder, then yes, yes then 100%. You were in the parking lot where it happened? I was in the parking lot where it happened. Um, I was probably not at a class. Um, but <laughs> <laughs> anyway, I really think that this podcast is excellent. It does do such a great deep dive into the documentary. One last question. Sure. Would you say that it's a must that you watch the documentary prior to listening yes. to the podcast? While Matt has a good, quick, like, five-minute recap, it's so fast you're not going to get it. You're not going to get it, and you're not going to understand, like, the idiosyncrasies and, uh, you know, you also need to see what the fuck these people yeah, look like. Yeah, you should just watch fuck. this documentary. Exactly, and it's just got such great backstories, and we're not talking about a couple other things that are, you know, interesting key figures yeah, throughout the documentary. More. There's so much more, but, you know, it is the strangest story Ever. Like, it wasn't as simple as just, like, girl didn't want to sex with a guy, he murdered her. Right. It is yeah. the most insane thing. And when you learn all of this stuff, it's just, like, as genius as these people are, they truly use it for evil yeah, and not it, for good. It feels like fiction, but sometimes I think this is the epitome of truth is stranger than fiction. And the sometimes. worst monsters... Are real. real. All right, we tied that up beautifully. <laughs> and we're There's going, no better bow you're ever going to get right? for this episode. We're going long this week, so yeah. how about we say, wow, 31. Okay, Google. <laughs> we packed it all packed in. Packed it all in. Hashtag justice for Brian Wells. Hashtag don't go home with strangers from bars. Yeah, well, 100% don't do that either. Um, and I think until episode 32. Don't forget. Be kind. And rewind. Bye, guys. Bye. Bye. Okay, Google.